What's up, guys? On this episode of Blood, Sweat, and Gear, I'm hanging out with contest prep coaches Skip Hill and Nelson Jones. We've got a couple topics for the day. We are going to discuss handling your training during a contest prep or a cut, and we're going to discuss muscle imbalances. After that, we've got a bunch of questions written in from you guys, our listeners and viewers, and we're going to kick the show off talking about a great bodybuilder we recently lost. Andy Hammond. If you guys enjoy the show, if you're entertained, if you learn something, do me a favor, hit the like button. And if you haven't subscribed, we have several bodybuilding podcasts coming out each week. We'd love to have you along for all of them. All right, guys, let's get to the show. I've never said this before. So for the people on YouTube, this show comes out every other week. So it's going to be out Fridays every other week, opposite of Muscle Minds. I put the pieces together a thousand times in my head, but I've never said that. So I think that'll help people understand the formula. Um, we have a bunch of listener questions today, like a plethora, a ton. Uh, we're going to get to those. We had a couple topics we were going to talk about. But first, I wanted to address uh, the fact that we lost a great bodybuilder this week. Uh, Andy Hammond passed away. And uh, it's interesting because I've heard some of the younger newer guys that are like i didn't really know who andy hammond was but man he was he was something else you you knew i mean you guys both knew him right skip oh yeah being in colorado i mean he lived in colorado springs or black forest just outside of colorado springs okay. he was a you know a very lively um unique personality and he just he did a lot for the i don't want to say for the industry he did a lot related to the industry. He did a lot for kids. He did a lot of charitable, charitable stuff. He was about as much of a family guy. I don't, I didn't see, unless he was traveling, I didn't see any pictures of him without either his wife or his family. He had been with yeah. his wife, I think since high school and they were very tight and they would do a lot of the, you know, it's funny because people may not even know Andy Hammond, but they may know the guy, you know, the, the guy with the blonde spiked hair who did, you know, was Mr. Incredible. Yeah. Because yeah. he would go through these elaborate, you know, paint setups and it looked pretty badass, but he would involve his kids and his family in that sometimes too, when they could travel, they were just very, very tight. It's funny because my wife followed Andy quite a bit and she was just always so um, taken by the fact that he was such a, so devoted to his family and, and that sort of thing. And it's just, it's really sad. Anytime anyone passes, it's sad, but the fact that it was so abrupt and yeah. And that sort of thing is just, it's just horrible. I feel, uh, you know, in situations like this, I, I, people always say, you know, it's, uh, you know, rest in peace, Andy and stuff. And everybody, you know, says different things and they mean well and the intention is there, but I just, I feel horrible for his wife and for his family because they were so close. And at 55, uh, you know, that's, man, that's just really, really young. Man. Let me tell you now so. that I'm getting closer to that. When you're 25, you're like, oh, yeah, he was really old. He should have been sure. done, you know, with all that stuff by now. But it comes up fast. So, yeah. you know, I feel like I can I can see it on the horizon. It's a little it's a ways off for me, but it's it's still it's out there. Um, I'll tell you what. I have never heard anybody say anything bad about Andy Hammond outside of one thing. People thought he used fake plates. Did you ever yeah, hear that? They did. But I'll yeah, tell you what. Did. VJ, my uh, partner from Bodybuilding Nerds Radio, so he used to live in uh, Iowa, Andy and his family mm -hmm. did. So VJ met him back in like 2005. VJ was like in, in his 20s, early 20s. He was a natural competitor. And so he saw Andy Hammond and he said, like, this dude looks so big. 
You know, he was mm-hmm. just he was a really big dude. Uh, and I think that that kind of gets underplayed sometimes because he's like such a fun personality. He was yeah. a big dude and he was strong. So the video I saw them calling out, he was benching like four or five plates and he was making it look like it was no deal. VJ said he would watch him walk in the gym, put four plates on the bar and just pump them out for 10, 15 reps like it was a warm up just mm-hmm. out the gate, man. Yeah. And I don't want to forget too or leave out. He was a, a top collegiate wrestler yeah yeah uh, in iowa too i think it, i don't want to be wrong but iowa state or something one of the bigger division one schools there but he he's got a very athletic background i think in fact before he um he was a phys ed teacher i believe before he retired from that and would huh. travel more with bodybuilding and that sort of thing okay uh, i don't want to get off on tangents but the fact that he was big the only it's funny that you say that about the plates because it's the only thing that i've ever heard negative and it was funny because power lifters are the ones that got on him and there's nothing worse to a power lifter than a bodybuilder who's in great shape and can put up big numbers and they want yeah. him to try to strip the you know the strength thing because they said it was too i think they said he was using fake plates i think that's what it came down to and it's funny because it came up on intense muscle yeah and i pissed off a lot of power lifters by blowing them off and i mean these were you know well-known guys and they ended up they ended up leaving intense muscle and never came back. Only one did. And we're good friends to this day, but it was because I had to apologize because I, I told those power lifters, I'm like, basically it's Andy Hammond and I live close enough to him. I know what this guy can do. And you guys are just fucking wrong. Nelson. Bottom line. Now you're going to negotiate it. You represent the younger demographic on our show. Maybe I'm kind of old now. (laughs) To to me, you're the youngster. So, uh, you knew about Andy, right? Yeah, um, I'm, I met him at a Diamondized booth a long time ago. Okay. Um, yep. And, I mean, obviously, I started reading the magazines in 08. Yeah. So, I mean, it's like, he was there then, um, and that was probably, he was more prominent then than he was, you know, in, like, 2016 or something. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But he spent way too much time with me. He didn't even <laughs> talk to me for that long. Like, uh, and I was, obviously, I was very annoying. A long time ago, I just asked too many questions, not considerate of people in line or anything like that. Just not, it's like, it's like, oh, I, I waited for four people. I should be able to stand here for forty-five minutes. You know? yeah, yeah. So, and of course, yeah, it's like talked to me for a, a long time. Very, very considerate. You know, it's it's funny you say that. It's like, I think he won his uh, card as a super heavy, right? I would think so because he was a really tall. So I mean, it's like the guy human. was yeah. was really big, and so now. It's a little more popular to see people throwing, like, actually benching five plates. Yeah. I mean, you see Ian does it. Akeem can do it. I mean, well, I I said two people, but, heck, I'm pretty sure we saw Luke put up, like, four and a half on incline. You know, it's it's a lot more of, like, a common thing. He was just big and freaky and strong a little while ago, you know, when it wasn't as common. But, I mean, it's the same thing. Like, we've talked about this before. It's, like, how four plate bent over rows wasn't a thing 10 years ago where it's everybody doing mm. it. And now on Instagram, maybe because you just know it's a possibility, you see all these people doing it. Yeah. You know, and he was just, a, he was a freak strong guy, but it's funny. Uh, more, more than that. Yeah. He, he was, he was a really good guy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, and I, that doesn't need to be recognized for sure. Yeah. All right, guys. So we've got a couple topics here. And then we are going to get into uh, a bunch of listener questions. We're probably going to keep this one a little bit short. I'm still recovering, uh, but we're going to get in what we can here. So our topics, 
the first thing we're going to discuss was uh, transitioning into a contest. How does your training change? And then from there, we were going to go into some talk about muscle imbalances. Skip uh, may have may or may not have had a knee issue. We're going to talk a little bit about that and talk about uh, you know what what. I don't even know. Honestly, I don't even know. We're going to get to it, though. We're going to wing it. That's what we're going to do. <laughs> so, Nelson, do you have people change things up when, when they go into a contest prep? Almost never. Skip? Almost never. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the same cliche. You know, you dance with the one that brought you, and I don't want to yep. oversimplify it, but, you know, Dante's words have rung in a lot of people's heads and ears for a long time in, in that sense. Uh, you do have to take into consideration recovery. So when it comes to volume and high intensity techniques and things like that, you have to be careful because anytime you're reducing caloric intake or increasing caloric output, uh, you know, it's going to tap in or potentially tap into re recovery. So that has to be taken in. But as far as training heavy or training the same style, the same exercises, things like that, I don't think a whole lot should be changing it was funny because back in the 80s and I, i'm dating myself with this but it was very popular and kind of accepted that you know when you're in prep you're doing higher reps and when yeah. you're in the off season you're doing lower reps and it it then went to you know that's silly you shouldn't do that but there does come a point i think in prep where you do have to understand your limitations physically and you may have to increase your rep ranges it may not be as black and white as while you're in prep you need high reps and when you're not you need low reps but you do have to listen to your body too and there's a lot of variables that you got to take into consideration otherwise if you push all the way through i mean at some point your strength isn't typically going to be what it was in the off season if you're a good prep guy your most of your clients are going to hold a lot of that strength until it gets closer to the show and there's other factors too whether you're on during the off season and you know or if you're gassed to the gills when you're you know during prep there are other factors but there are some things that have to be tweaked you agree nelson yeah i, I definitely agree with that i think the really i mean and you were kind of alluding to it the only thing that needs to really be considered um assuming recovery and everything is good is as you're the joint integrity starts to be a little wobbly, you know, you're getting really lean. Um, mm -hmm. and all of a sudden those whatever seven plate hack squats start sh like shearing your knee. It's like, maybe you need to start just pushing the intensity with, I mean, let's, let's say you're doing six, maybe six rep sets aren't the way to go anymore. Right. Maybe you want to pull it back. You're still going to failure with, you know, two less plates, but you're pushing it to 20 reps. I don't think there's anything wrong with, I mean, and personally, I prefer it. I think it's better um, to push sets for 20 to 30 when you're doing hmm. leg press, hack squats, things like that. I think it just, it just murders your legs. And I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with eight, to, but on like a leg press, if you're doing six reps or eight reps on a leg press, that is heavy. And for, right. I don't know, for, for, for a lot, most people's knees, dude, they just can't even handle it. Um, and mm -hmm. of course, there's some like iron freaks who it doesn't matter what like you could do singles on a leg press if you really wanted to. Um, but there's gonna be some point in your evolution where you're gonna have to rethink your training because you're not 22 anymore. Um, and I feel like for a lot of us, as we get really lean, that shines through even more. It's like, oh, okay, well, not only am I like feeling kind of wobbly, um, but I can feel my joints 
went really hard every time I do a rep. Absolutely. Right? Maybe so it's like I'm not destroying my body and I can't walk next week as far as from actual joint kind of pain. Because, I mean, by the time you get to the show, you don't want to be not being able to train legs because <laughs> exactly. your joints hurt so bad. So it's like what's better, you know? Is, is it better to – to keep it the exact same because you know we're supposed to and i do agree with keep it the exact same keep it the exact same as long as you possibly can um but i don't know i guess there is a point where for me um let's say i'm only doing two sets of eight i might have to start and it could be and through prep that you're pushing that same weight up to 12 and you're working it all the way to 20 so you are using the same weight throughout all of prep and you just got stronger the whole way. And that would like be that. ideal because you're growing the whole time. And I don't right. want anybody who's listening to think, well, now, wait a minute. Nelson and Skip just contradicted the dance with the one who brought you. Just to clarify, and you make a good point, you stay with it as long as you can while you're listening to your body and you be smart about it. The other thing is, though, too, you know, when you mentioned 20 and 30 rep squats, I think there's a lot of people out there who think that that may not be an off season type thing. That's something that I would do in the off season because it's a shock technique. So if you think, well, gosh, that's not an off season. Of course it is. Those things would be thrown in, in an off season uh, for shock value. And when I say shock, shock on the muscle stimulus that it hasn't seen before there's, there's where you get adaptation. So um, that would be done in and can be done during prep to save the joints like you're talking yeah. about and essentially not put yourself in a in as vulnerable position or right. as when it comes to risk of injury. I mean, it's it's not saving central nervous system. It's going to be very, very hard. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's just and I agree. I, heck, I, I do Widowmaker sets every single week. Yeah, um, I think I mean, I think they're super valuable. Um, but yeah, I, I 100% agree with what you said. It just. Um, the, I think I don't change the volume or really very much. The only thing is once I get to a certain point, I'm now I kind of check myself. Whereas before I'm like, ah, wrap it tighter. You're, you're <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. it's like you hate it too. And it's like when your, your training partners are there and especially if they're in off season, which is good for you for the push. But if they're like, suck it up, you did seven plates last week. And the, you know, your knee's hurting. Yeah. You know, like something's wrong. And you just like, ah, you, there's always like the be a man, look like a there's a, there's a topic. There's a good topic right there. The pros and cons of training by yourself or with a training partner. Oh, yeah. You'll have to, yeah. you have to knock that one or write that one down, Scott. We'll, we'll do that yeah. on a future show. I will. That is a good one. Uh, I, I have a thought because when you guys are talking about this, I've had preps where I've remained fairly strong, you know, as strong as you can expect to be. And then I've had a couple preps specifically the two times that I pushed for like insane leanness. My second show, I pushed for insane leanness. And then again, in 2015, I just pushed as far as I could, as hard as I could. I didn't care how much I lost in the process. And I could have competed like low 190s. And I ended up competing the day I stepped on stage, carved up, I was 181. So it was like, it was dramatic. And I remember being in the gym just like hating every minute of training because it just wasn't fun anymore. I could get a pump, but I like my, I was so weak and it was like that for a long period of time. And I know it's just because I was just so beat down. Have you guys ever, I'm sure you have, but like how bad has it gotten for each of you? 
uh, at like on on a bad prep, like a prep where you got weak? Well, I think anytime <laughs> you're in prep, you're going to have prep. Let's put it this way: if you prep long enough, yeah, you're going to have preps that where yeah. you're in the green room. And I had one last year, and everything was clicking. Everything was beautiful. Everything was going as good as can be expected and, and sometimes better. Then other times you're going to fight and sometimes and, and really fight and suffer and feel tortured. Yeah. And sometimes the end result isn't any different. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's kind of funny because you would think that, you know, I know in your situation, that specific situation you're talking about, Scott, yes, you ended up, you know, leaner than, but you said, you admitted you didn't care what the weight was. You just wanted to get as lean as you could. Yeah. But most perhaps I think really in the end, as long as you know how to, you know, and it's that, that last week, making sure that you peak. Cause sometimes if you run yourself into the ground then you have oh, a hard yeah. time filling out and peaking in hat, you end up with a little bit of an over diet or what I call a stringy, stringy type of look. But mm. yeah, there, you have those signs. I mean, I can't remember the last time I, I'm sure it's there, but I'm old. I can't even remember what I had for breakfast. But yeah, I'm, I'm sure that those are there. Where you, I drove myself in the ground, what, in 16? Um, yeah. Asked for that because it's that more, you know, and Nelson touched on it earlier. You know, even though we prep people and we have all this experience and stuff, when it comes to our training, we will sometimes do the things that we <laughs> don't say. Yeah. It's, you know, it's not a do as I say, or it is a do as I say, not as I do, not a do as I say, because I do the same shit. Uh, and, and I will come out of it with tendonitis or a sprained LCL and have no one to blame but myself. I would go so far as to say this. Look, if you end up with an injury, if you look inside yourself deep and hard enough <laughs> and you're insightful enough, you'll find out you fucked up somewhere and you didn't see a sign sure. or you did something you shouldn't have. Every I, I take issue when people say, well, it just, it came out of the blue. It probably didn't. It came yeah. out of the blue to you because you didn't know how to read the signs. Yeah, you you did something different. It, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's funny. Actually, Um, I remember there was a, a podcast. Joe Rogan had Matthew Walker on and he's like a sleep scientist. Okay. Um, and he had um, was talking about some studies with athletes and looking across the board, almost all of the athletes who had injuries did it when they were sleeping six hours or less. Huh. Mm, that's a good one. Yeah. And, and so it's like, there's like, there's something like obviously with recovery and it could, it could be like your tires, so you're not doing things intelligently or, you know, things like that. But um, I guess there's a lot that can go into it, but that's something to kind of think about in prep really man to sleep. I, I thought yeah. of two examples um, from preps. Um, and one, I will say this, this is the worst I ever looked. So I know that this supplement is very like, Oh, it's the Holy Grail. I think Skip might already know what I'm talking about. Um, the worst I ever looked <clears throat> was doing DMP on a prep. That is the weakest I've ever been. Sure. Yeah. My entire life. Um, it was terrible. I looked awful. There was. It, but, it, but did you die? No, I didn't die. Okay. Then, but did you die? That's the end question. No, right no, no, I, didn't did I didn't die. <laughs> I, I didn't die. It was, but God, I didn't look good. Um, yeah. And then last year, this like touches on what uh, Skip said about like, how long are you really going? So last year I started prep in February and my show was supposed to be in June. So mm -hmm. I, my strength was killer the whole time. Yeah. That was one of like the smoothest, easiest, everything was clicking kind of preps. Now, during that time, junior nationals was canceled. That's what I was going to do. Yep. And then uh, two other shows were canceled. So I pulled back and then I was going to do a show in November. Yeah. I only took, like 
four weeks of eating a little higher. Then I went right back in. So that's February. And then I got around like October and I'm like, this ain't it. Yeah. This ain't it. And it's like, and that was, if I were really reflecting back, I had known that for six weeks, eight weeks. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm like, maybe it will fix itself. Maybe it will fix itself. Like something. And it's just like, I'm getting weaker every week, drained. It just looks soft. And just like things are getting worse, and I'm like, ah, well, tighten up, and it won't matter. And no, <laughs> so there's there's something to be said, like, and if it was a client who was trying to like, oh, let me just turn this around a couple of weeks, and then I'll do it in November. Like, no, are you retarded? This, this is freaking. It's a year. We're pepping for a year. Yeah, hydration. Sorry. Hydration's another one I want to throw in really quick because I know we got to we got to jump topics here. Hydration, I think, is something like you know you get people because I get people that I work with who will drink a consistent amount of fluid constantly, right? And I say, well, are you hydrated? And they they say, yeah, you know, I drink this much every day. But that changes as you get leaner, how much water you need. And I think that for me, I see a, a just a huge difference in my strength based on how hydrated my muscle is. So I actually started using a, uh, uh, an electrolyte supplement and I found it, it helps me a lot. It's more, I used to just do like just the straight sodium, you know, and be like, oh, get the sodium in, you're good. But with a balanced electrolyte, I feel like I'm very consistent. And then when, it, you know, in a, pay, in a pay place where I wouldn't necessarily have as much endurance, I have better endurance because I have just better overall muscle hydration. I think that that's a big factor in that strength and being able to, you know, continue pushing hard for longer. I'm not saying you could do that for nine months dieting from, and I know what you mean, man. I dieted my last shows where I started February, went through November and yeah, I I was pretty darn weak by the end of that. You know, I held it for a while, but you know, yeah. yeah. I would have avoided that injury last year. It had my show been when it was supposed to be. I mean, it really is that. And it's funny because as experienced as we are, we know the time frame that we have. And when that gets changed and it gets changed quite a bit, that doesn't happen a lot. Right. So yeah. it's not something we're, we're as well versed. We're not as experienced with such a radical change or when you don't even know it's going to happen. I, I, my shows were pushed, but I wasn't sure exactly how far. So those are things that, you know, we still fall back on our experience, but at the same time, I, I just know I would not have come out of that with an injury. I'm not, yeah. I can't say I wouldn't have, I might've blown that hip getting into my car. <laughs> I'm not sure, but it probably wouldn't have been in the gym. Yeah. But also I'm sure you would agree that even though, I mean, if someone wrote that down on paper for you, logically you might've thought differently than it happening to you. Sure. You know, where it's Absolutely. like, oh, yeah. it's like, oh, it's like, oh, well, this much time, maybe I should probably take some time off. This person, this person should like look, like let's let's do something here instead of like ah, I can make it, right? You know. All right. So next topic we're going to discuss uh, before we got to our listener questions is uh, imbalances. I'm, I'm not. Put sure your gloves we, on. Put I'm, your gloves. I'm on, not Nelson. sure where we're going, going with this, but I feel like Skip has a different opinion than Nelson does. Well, it came up on a, the last podcast when Nelson was on the show. Yeah. And the points that Nelson made, I agreed with. But I was going to take it further, but we we were kind of long on the topic anyway. And I think most of the listeners, I, I assume that most of the listeners knew how I felt about imbalance, because I've talked about them before. So the question came up on the advices page on, on Facebook, 
And it was about how to train those imbalances and how to bring them up. And Nelson makes a good point, and I agree with this. From a neurological standpoint, on paper, the studies show that the weaker side, when not being trained, and correct me if, if I'm wrong, if this is not what you said, but the weaker side, when not being trained, if you train the strong side, there is the neurological component that will help that when you come back off the injury, that weak side will essentially catch up quicker. Am I... It, it, it breaks down less. It breaks down less is what it what breaks happens. down less. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Now where I disagree is when you, okay, I'm going to do it this way. Okay. You have your, your weak side and you have your strong side. Okay. It may break down less, but my concern is when you come back, you have, I don't think you should train at all. Like you shouldn't train the strong side. So I'm going to back up my explanation mm -hmm. for that. Because you're stronger on one side and weaker on the other, when you come back, the, the way that most people train, I'm going to use the bench press as an example. If you train or even a dumbbell press, once you get to failure, you get close to failure. Typically what happens is the form on the weak side is going to fail and you're going to get shitty reps and the, the lats are going to take over the tries and the yeah. shoulders are going to take over. Mm -hmm. You're going to get a couple more reps. So what you have in a situation like that is the strong side will continue to get stronger. And I want to get into the, there we go because there's a delay the strong side will get stronger and the weak side will get stronger as well but they still stay imbalanced much longer if you train the weak side and and i would focus on the weak side i call it training the weak side you're training both sides left and right at the same time but what you're doing is as soon as the weak side fails that set's done and you have to be able to know when your form starts to falter, whether you're, and I'm using, again, the bench press as an example. If you have to tuck your elbow slightly or something to that effect to change the mechanics, you should not go further than that. Because then at that point, you're training the weak side and stopping at failure. The demand on the weak side is more than the demand on the strong side, even with the same weight. So then it closes that gap quicker because the strong side doesn't continue to progress like it would if there were a couple more reps or that side was taken to failure. Basically right. what you're doing is you're taking one side, the weak side to failure and you're right. in a sense under training the strong side. Yeah. So if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, it may have been that I misunderstood what you said because I agree that neurologically it can help to keep the weak side from degrading as yes. much or, or atrophying yeah. as much. Yeah, okay. That was so the then point. my, okay. Then it's so not, then we I, don't disagree. That's not fun. And <laughs> I don't disagree with what you're saying either necessarily. What I would think is you want, or if I were personally to do this, let's say I tore my tricep, what I would probably be doing is I would probably train the non-toward side. Um, just because, you know, you're putting blood in it's uh, allegedly it's going to help the other side. And when I start resuming training, I would do what you're saying. Absolutely. Cause I would never keep pushing reps with when this one's acting wonky, you know, if, right. if one side is because. Then but you're, you're an experienced trainee. You've been training for a long time. If you take a client who's relatively new and they have an injury, they may not know that. I mean, we sure, can, sure. you can go in and see how people bench sometimes. You could tell it's like, Oh my God, your left side is so much weaker. Like, Holy shit. If you would train it the right way, it wouldn't it'd be imbalanced but like that. I, I think I do think you make a very important point, which is, you can only push to failure of the side that is weaker. Right. Once you go further than that, you're doing yourself more of a disservice. Sure. Mm -hmm. I would yeah. agree. I, yeah, absolutely agree. And you agree. just don't get away from that imbalance that you, right, you just right. all, well, always have that imbalance. Even, even maybe more so than that, you're probably just 
looking for another injury. Oh, absolutely. You know, the vulnerability is, it's huge, already, yeah. it's already, if it's already weak and you're just pushing past where that can even go, that's right. how it's going to tear again, you know? Yeah. 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 All right. Well, we can move on to some questions then. Um, oh, I didn't disagree with you. <laughs> that was so not fun. I know. It's like, God. I bet. It's funny when you had, when you had told me about the topic that you were talking about earlier, I thought you were talking to Scott that like that he was the one who oh. had said something that you disagree with. That's why I'm kind of like didn't register. I'm like, oh, that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gotcha. I totally forgot about the topic. Right. We got <laughs> a bunch of questions it. here, guys. Uh, and I saw uh, Martin Fitzwaters with us. Uh, Nelson's hey, Martin, guy. what's up? How's he doing, man? What's he got going on? Well, tell us while you while I find these questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I crack a beer. <laughs> Just kidding, it's a monster. Oh, well, that's disappointing. Um, <laughs> uh, Martin is getting ready for the Tampa Pro. Okay. So he's. I think he's currently training at Flex's gym. He just had a hernia thing, didn't he? Didn't he hernia? Yeah. And yeah, he had two surgeries, I think, if I'm not two mistaken. Surgeries. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Bo- bo- both of them. So he uh, yeah, he had hernia and gynosurgery. He got them done uh, February 9th, I believe. So okay. we're we're a little over like uh, a month and a few weeks yeah. off. And he started training, I think it was two weeks ago. And he wasn't supposed to train before then. So we can call him out in front of all these people. He was he was not supposed to be training. Yeah. And I'm like, you can do cardio. And he's like, yeah, I definitely want to do cardio. I want to do cardio so I get some blood moving. And cardio turns into arms. Yeah. He's like, I'm barely moving. It's like, I'm- <laughs> <laughs> he's like, he's like I can hear it too. Yeah, not like, working that hard. I'm not yeah, working. Like, I like, I'm not you on Instagram, my, dude. I'm not, yeah, I'm not, <laughs> not bracing with my core. It's like upper body legs, which is walking, you know? Yeah. So. That's yeah, funny. so it started training arms. He's like, I'm barely doing anything. And then, you know, then it started getting like just dipping other body parts. And there was like a delt day. And it's funny, he was training with, with Brett for oh, delts. No, he can't do that. I, he went, Not he, in recovery. I, I <laughs> you, would, you would think, right? And like, his very first delt day that he did with him, he like did side laterals that were heavier than Brett. Yeah, it sounds, sounds about right. And that's why yeah. I said he can't be training with Brett. Martin, you're watching. <laughs> called well, out in front of everybody. I know. So yeah. so so now now I guess we're 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 to the point cuz now he can kind of train. Okay. I say use your best judgment, but it's not my <laughs> judgment, it's his judgment. So yeah. It is a little questionable. What's going on guys? Thanks for watching another podcast here at Think Big Bodybuilding Media and thank you to our great sponsor truenutrition.com for making this all possible. truenutrition.com is owned by Dante Trudell, the creator of DC Training. He wanted to create a supplement company that offered high quality third-party tested supplements at a fair price. High quality protein powders, just about every type you could think of. Huge variety of flavors plus health and performance supplements. Check them out truenutrition.com and hey, if you use our code advices, you directly support our podcasting. Thanks guys. Let's get back to the program oh man all right listen i got a question here i've been wanting to answer this one um since i saw it come up from rob taylor he asks um cold chills an hour after training could it be dehydration low blood sugar uh central nervous system rebooting uh and he adds that he's on 700 test and 380 npp do you guys have any thoughts on this one? Yeah, it has nothing to do with his gear dosage. No, <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, I think it's oh. a good idea that we all laugh at the listener. Use questions. more gear. I think that's a good idea. That'll more encourage them to. 
<laughs> but it's good to know. You never know, man. Sometimes yeah, it could I, be. I, yeah. Better having more information than less. I completely yeah. agree. Yeah, I, think- I saw this question earlier. Here's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Uh, and there's more to it because I'd have a couple questions. So hopefully if he's listening as I ramble, he can respond to my question. The I'm going with low blood sugar. If he has post-workout nutrition that is very quick and very fast in about an hour, if his training is very demanding and especially if it's demanding and he's in a restricted caloric state, yeah, you can go hypo pretty quick after post-workout nutrition, primarily if it's liquid. I know I battle with it hardcore and it's a matter of 10 minutes. If I will start sweating that I'm going so hypo and sometimes I'm not even in a uh, deficit, but the point being the timing, I wonder, because if he did have or does have liquid or very fast post-workout nutrition, that hour could get him. I mean, chills, when you get into chills, yeah. and especially if it's consistent, I would say that there's probably, did he say he was sweaty at all? But I mean, chills would be. No, he just said, that's where I would go cold first. chills. I had something else yeah. a little bit different because I, I think you guys are right. There could be a hypo thing <clears> to it. I, I had this happen to me in the past and it was like when I was training with Shelby, I know that I was training now in hindsight, I know that I was training, doing more sets than I should have. And it worked really well for him. I've talked about this. I think for me, I was, would have been better off. He just finished that monster. He did, didn't he? Yeah. I'm sure that like an empty can click. <laughs> it's only been it's like gone. two minutes. <laughs> you know, I, I'm not, can look, I know I'm old 51 now <laughs> and I haven't eaten all day, but I've had two monsters. I don't see the problem here and I just killed it, but. You did. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, Scott. No. That was like so <laughs> Need a little energy. I wonder if it is something to do with the central nervous system, if it's not hypoglycemia, because I think that that would be, yeah, that would be like the first thing. But I remember getting, I and you know where it would be? It Like the first thing that would happen is it would be like my nose would get really cold. Like if you take antihistamines, you know how your nose can get really cold? And then I'd start feeling it over my skin. Sometimes it would be um, even... Uh, while training, I'd start to get this, even using like highly branched cyclic dextrin in situations. I know that it wasn't my blood sugar situations where I'd be eating and I'd get kind of like uh, just like a, the best way I could describe it is I felt like I just got out of a car wreck when I'd finish those workouts, mm-hmm. like the way your whole body. Yeah. Like a, I've done that on leg day where like you get out of that workout. I don't do it anymore. You feel like you just got hit by a car, like in it. I'm not not exaggerating. Like the way you feel shaken up, just everything is just shook. Um, I think that I had been triggering some central nervous system stuff, some central nervous system responses. Um, I don't know. I don't know. But, but I've, I've seen things with people who have, um, Oh gosh, my brain's getting really foggy all of a sudden. I'm I'm not a hundred percent, by the way. I'm like almost there, but I'm not good enough to be on a podcast. So I should just turn it over to you guys, <laughs> and it, and I'll think about that one. Um, well, because I'm wondering what you mean specifically with central nervous system, because I'm thinking, okay, if if you break it down, that he's cold to the he said chills, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah, so circulation chills. went from being really good while he yeah. was training, assume, assuming that it was really good while he was training. And you're going to be warm and blood flow is going to be real good. Veins are going to be popping. You're then all of a sudden, at least surface skin. I wonder where he's cold. If he's just cold from head to toe. Yeah. Or if there, or if it's just extremities or what. But, you know, then 
your circulation then would have to, if that's the case, it would, there would be some kind of a circulation well, issue. And that's, so so the, the word I was trying to think of is autoimmune and that you can trigger autoimmune stuff. Like I've known people, in fact, Victoria is one of those people where when she trains really hard by the end of her workout, she's ice cold. She'll be sweating. But she's really like ice cold. Yeah. And it's an autoimmune trigger that happened. So I, I just wonder, I think that you guys are probably right. The first thing that I jump to is low blood sugar. But then I also wonder, too, if it, if it could be, if not that, then some type of an autoimmune response. It's uh, not a common thing. Even like, you know, the extreme would be like Renard's where your skin turns blue. Even that's like that would be like if you kept going, you'd lose that circulation <clears throat> And there's like a type of Renards that can get so bad that you can basically get like lose circulation and get like the equivalent of frostbite on your skin. Like you can lose limbs and stuff like that. It's well, crazy. you're out of my wheelhouse. I've never heard yeah. of Renards this, before. I'm this is honest. now like this is now the new threshold for are you training hard? Yeah. Bro, yeah. You, do you have Renards? <laughs> I think I like the it. next step after Renards is probably rigor mortis. But I don't want to want to, you know. All right. I'm just going to randomly grab the next one here. Uh, Brad Smith asks, uh, best appetite suppressants when deep in contest prep, the urge to binge is constant. Any ideas to help? Thanks, guys. Cool. Uh, yeah, I'll tell you what. Uh, mine will be quick. Okay. I'll go I'll go first because mine will be quick. I am going to, this is going to sound very arrogant. Okay. And I don't mean it that way. <laughs> I have my, I'm, my brain is fucked up. It's wired differently. I don't emotionally eat, never have. Food to me, though it can taste good, and I'm kind of a foodie, I don't get so hungry. It's uncommon for me to get craved. Something has to be really fucked up and weird. Like I have missed three meals, even deep in a prep. I don't have problems with appetite. Maybe it's because I've done it for so long. I thought about it, but I don't know, because I used to have it when I was younger. But I don't have to deal with any type of appetite suppressant i don't know if it's just locked in my brain because i've done it so long i'm not sure so i've got to hand it off to you guys because i i i don't have anything well let me let me ask you a question before i go has it always been this way when, like because i found that as i've gotten older my appetite wanes hmm. so were you hungrier when you were 20. oh no question yeah no question yep for yeah. sure now, there's also a component, too, and it's not always, so I don't want to step on anybody's toes here. And uh, Again, it, it can be taken the wrong way. You should, and I tell this to my clients all the time, if you're dining, you're getting really lean, uh, and Shelby says this all the time, too. It's going to get nasty. You're yeah. going to have hunger. I'd always, I always want to step into someone else's body or brain to feel their hunger and just to see so that I can go, yeah, oh, come on, you're being a pussy. That's just not <laughs> yeah. even that bad. Or if I step into their body and go, holy shit, holy this shit. is what hunger feels like. Holy crap. I've never. Oh, yeah. So a lot of times if your diet is dead on, even though you're getting really, really lean, if it's dead on, you're not going to be, in my opinion, you're not going to be as hungry or as ravenous or have those cravings as if sometimes if you go into an over dieted mode, then and you're just ravenous at, at 15 weeks out. I'm thinking, damn, I don't know if you should be that hungry that far out. But yeah. I do think it's relative. I think that experience and dieting longer, I think the brain at some point just flips a switch and it's just accepted. It's not even something that you think about. But again, I'm I'm talking about me because I've never felt it. 
I've never been able to feel it from from you know what it feels like for somebody else. I, I yeah, I, I agree with you. I think to some degree, and you kind of have to just like know that nothing will fix hunger. Right. It's like yeah. you're gonna be hungry, so it's like there is a degree of you got to suck it up. Hmm. But um, there are it's a like taking things. the edge off. Yeah, yeah, but, but yeah, but to but to take the edge off, there are there are some things. Um, right. Obviously, some people they like Adderall. If you are four weeks out, you have half for Adderall. Well, maybe it's time to pop it because you know um, I would probably not do that at 11 p.m. But you know, <laughs> if if you're about to die after meal one, then m- maybe it's time. Now, I'm not. I do not approve of this or any, whatever you want to say. Math? But Oh. Nicotine gum. <laughs> nicotine helps, really. For I do, I absolutely. do. I'm a, absolutely, a, a nicotine guy. You're like, hey. I'm fine. I don't need anything. You're popping nicotine yeah. in your mouth. Yeah. Like, I don't know what you well, guys. Maybe I chewed yeah. a lot of Copenhagen, so that, yeah, that yeah, may well, have been. That, that yeah. will certainly do it. So nicotine yeah. will it will help with um, metabolism, hunger, and estrogen. Now the thing about nicotine, though, is a little bit helps with estrogen. A lot of it raises estrogen really so i didn't know that it, yeah so it's kind of like coffee a little bit of coffee it's like keep your regular no problem you crush coffee all day you might be really messed up you know i'm gonna be honest i'm gonna be completely transparent yeah. i just learned something that i did not know i did not yeah. know that there was a connection between estrogen and nicotine i didn't know that yeah. either this is actually yeah. i mean i can't take credit for this this is a matt porter teaching so yeah, no kidding. me and him were talking about this um, in April of 2019. I mean, it was it was right before he passed, but I, I still have the emails because um, wow. we went back and forth about uh, it was actually for me, um, but it was um, about hunger how significantly, food. how significantly is um, the, the, the uh, w- just backing down estrogen? Yeah. Um. I mean, I just wondered if they, if he had any numbers or anything that no, he threw out. No, I mean, but we're, we're talking about like probably as much as like a Mastron, not like significant. Okay, mm-hmm. but um, enough but, to but, matter. But, but but it's right. It's it's it was something like if your estrogen's crushed and you're taking this on top, like oh maybe you should kind of like one of those things. Like be mindful, be mindful mm-hmm. that it, it right. could have an effect, but it does help. Huh. Um, it's not something like I'm taking a gram test. I don't have to take an AI. I, I have freaking nicotine gum. Like, I'm just no, wondering if I'm going to get bitch tits from chewing Copenhagen. Oh, no, no. <laughs> I mean, it was like, I, I think, I mean, I might be wrong, but a uh, pouch of Copenhagen isn't like four or six milligrams, something like that? Uh, a can is 88 milligrams of nicotine. Holy crap. Okay. Yeah, well, that's a whole can, but yeah. Well, see, it's funny because yeah. I, I, I was just having a conversation with uh, a client today about this. Um, my friend Kenley, he... He said that he had been dipping since he was 16. Uh, he did it till he was 22. And we had like figured out that he had, he had spent, it was like, he said at least a can a day, usually two. Mm-hmm. Like, so at minimum, he spent $6,100 between this time and this time on just dip. Um, mm-hmm. Because we were all talking about, it's funny, we were talking about using this as an appetite suppressant uh, on the way back from legs the other day. Um, I have an issue with it though, just because yeah. people, it, the cost to benefit is can be great for someone that sure. would 
potentially start using more, develop a habit. Right. They went into a bodybuilding show and they came and out, uh, you know, addicted to I, nicotine. I 100% you know? agree. And this is why, like, <clears throat> I mean, I, I don't recommend <clears throat> it. But I'll, I'll tell you this. Um, I was pretty scared or at least timid about it. Yeah. Because when, when we were talking about it, I'm like, I don't know, man. I don't, I don't know if, if I'm someone who's going to like have trouble with it. Yeah. Or what what the case yeah. may be. So, I remember I only bought like a very small, whatever box of it. I'm like, this might be something I just need to throw away. So I don't spend a lot of money on it. It is and very soon, addictive. No and question. Well, well, as as soon as I had the first piece, I I knew it wouldn't be a problem for me because it tasted oh. so bad. I'm like, <laughs> it became it became one of those things like. Uh, it literally became something I dreaded. And I was so thankful. I'm like, oh, God, I don't have to chew this awful gum anymore. Because I hated it. Um, well, the gum is horrible. It. <laughs> oh, it, it's, it's not good. So, I mean, if, yeah. obviously, like, if, if it's something, if you enjoy, like, the buzz too much or anything. And I don't know. I think anyone should walk into this with caution. This, just like anything else. Like, there, you don't want to be addicted to something for bodybuilding. That's silly. Yeah. Um, we have enough problems as it is, um, but uh, <laughs> right, we have enough issues. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know. For, for me, it was one of those things like I was chewing two, two milligram uh, pieces a day. Um, and Amateur. Matt just told me, I know Matt told me, it's like, Matt said, get the, get two milligrams and uh, do three a day. Max three is your max period in the story. It's like, we, he's like, we would treat it like a, like if I only let you have two sodas, it's like you don't go over. It doesn't matter if you want it or not, because that's the rules of prep, right? Yeah. So wait out you for know. yourself, guys. You know, if you yeah. uh, if you have that personality, then like don't even yeah. touch it. You got anything yeah. else you want to add to the list? I I wish I remember the name. There. Oh well, I guess uh, like a fiber supplement can help. Yeah. Like if, yeah. If you're you know because just fiber in general helps. Like I think people overdo it with the vegetables. Um, way too often, and I, hey, I don't say that as critical. I've I've overdone with the vegetables, and you just you don't look good, you don't feel good. You know, you walk around with uh, you're eating a bag of broccoli every meal. Well, you look like garbage. It doesn't yeah, matter. And you smell like garbage too. You smell I mean, pretty fucking right. bad. It's gas right. coming out of you is not so, so, good. So, so no one wants to be around you, and you look bad. Um, <laughs> right. But I I think that, that that can help, and I I know they sell like supplements that will like it has fiber in it and you can eat it and then drink water and it'll fill up your stomach. But I mean, at that point, come on, are you doing this to look yeah. better or not? Right. There's just, yeah. you have to accept that there's just some of them. I mean, and all fat burners have like some sort of appetite suppressant quality. Yeah. I was going to add ephedrine to the list. Even That's a, a small amount of ephedrine yeah. can, can help. In fact, I've even used it on, you know, when I've dosed clen, I keep the dose pretty low uh, I mean, even like I've gotten fat loss at, at 20 micrograms. Um, wow. So I've actually combined that with a low dose of ephedrine and I've even taken it at like 10 to 12.5 milligrams, just enough. And it helps me personally to get my appetite down. And I've seen the same thing happen for other people. So I'm going to throw that one out there. I'd agree on that fiber. I'm going to go back to something you were initially uh, saying, Nelson, and that was the fact that you're not going to ever like get rid of it. You have to accept it. And you were saying that too, yeah. Skip. It's like you have to accept it. At the end of the day, you're not putting as much into your body as you were before. You're literally creating a, a hole that you're now trying to fill with something. And 
I found myself like buying more stuff, you know, on Amazon or going to the store, shopping, buying shit that I didn't really need just to have stuff to kind of like, you know, make me feel good for the fact that I wasn't like filling my stomach with the things I wanted to eat. Um, So I think that at the end of the day, there's a level of that acceptance that you just have to have. Otherwise, you're going to your prep is going to suck or your diet. I don't care if you're prepping or not. Maybe you're just trying to get in better shape for the summer. It is not going to be a fun experience if you're constantly trying to run from hunger. Like Skip, mm-hmm. you accepted it, man. And if you can switch your brain around and be like, hey, this hunger means that I'm getting where I want to be. Right. Then you're going to be in a much better place, you know. Right. Well, it can be distracting and get to the point where it's distracting you from not only just your, you know, simple tasks and everything else, but your job and your sure. career and things like right. that too, because that's all you think about if you're yeah. focused on it. Yeah. All right. What else do we have here? Um, okay. Here's an older guy, Ross over 60, the body's falling apart. Um, back L five S one, both rotator cuffs torn. Uh, he's had surgeries for his, Looks like neck C7. Man, he's been through the ringer. Um, went out for a month with muscle atrophy uh, of the side tricep um, and L5S1. Let's see. Let's see. What to do? I'm depressed. What can a person take or do for this? Three surgeries, three years in a row, three years of bad luck, Ross. First thing I would wonder is how many years he's been training yeah. um, because your chronological age, you know, if he's been training since he's been in his teens or if he's been training seven years, that could make a difference. But I would say to first look at your training, I'm not saying that he doesn't have issues where at 61, his body is, you know, um, doesn't have limitations or anything else. But if he has a history of training, it his body would be, I would think would be relatively, I don't want to say adapted, but, but it wouldn't be this training hard. Wouldn't be the shock to the system. I would look at the training and I would see if it's too heavy. I would check mechanics. I would check, like we were talking about earlier, hydration, all the things that can lead to, you know, is he, did he have signs prior to any of these injuries and he just pushed through anyway, uh, ignored the signs, things like that. Um, and I'm not saying that he may not be falling apart and that they're just out of the blue and the body is pretty much, you know, the body is throwing up their hands and went, yeah, you're too fucking old. But at 51, I would like to think that that's not the case because I certainly wouldn't want to be in that, that condition in only 10 years. I wonder so, how he's training too, you know, absolutely. Is, he, is he following everything we talk about at, at think big and advices and progressive overload and doing one set, you know, to maximum failure. Cause right. I feel like it's. At 63, I might not want to do that anymore, you know? Right. I don't mm-hmm. know. What do you think, Nelson? Oh, I mean, I'm, I'm certainly not an authority on, you know, whether or not this, this guy, especially if he's been training 30, 40 years, you know, what he should be doing. But um, <laughs> yeah. if, if he's if he's still trying to, like, do DC right now, yeah, maybe, right. Maybe, maybe don't, man, you know? And, th- and that's – it's not to say anyone can't or to say – it just – I mean, the – what happened is they kind of said Dante made all these freaks and then John Meadows fixed them, you know? So it was kind of like one of those things where <laughs> it's like eventually your body gets too old to do all this and it, it might not be your fault. It might be your body's fault or it could be that maybe you're just missing something, you know? Maybe you are 
you don't sleep well, you're under-recovered, you're, you're not eating as much as you think, or, I mean, it could be so many things. I, I can't pretend to know, but, yeah. Um, uh, nerve issues. I know he mentioned nerve issues, nerve issues. Well, I don't want to, I don't want to, I'll stay in my wheelhouse. I still think that there are probably where if he looks back and he really digs in deep, there are probably signs leading up to every single one of those injuries. Now he, if he's saying, you know, I can't go balls out like I did 20 years ago. Well, welcome to the club. I mean, that's right. just natural. And you don't have to be 60 to have that happen. You can be, you know, you, as you get into your thirties, you're going to have problems and, and you're going to yeah. start to see things that you didn't see in your twenties. We're made of rubber when we're, when we're yeah. younger, I see some of these younger guys doing shit, yeah. and I cringe and think, God, if that was me, I'd blow a disc or my kneecap and yeah. shoot across the fucking gym. All right. Okay, How about well, uh, this? One second. Yeah. I just have to say this because this is the most embarrassing thing okay. that's happened to me in so long. So I'm 30. And the other day, my, my daughter, who's four, I was doing like some, we're, we're just playing in the, um, the living room, and she jumped like over like, you know, whatever, from one marker to another. And we do some <laughs> things and, and trying to like, see how far she could jump. Yeah. And I was going to impress her and I'm like, stand back. And so I did a jump. It might've been five or six feet. It wasn't, I'm not like a long jumper, yeah. but anyway, I just, I, I did. And as soon as I landed, my knees hurt so bad. <laughs> That's never happened before. And it was I just told you, don't have kids. Kids ruin everything. They injure yeah, well, you. I mean, I, I, they I, cost that, you money. Too, too late. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, it's all it's like uh it's funny um that is another thing it's like all those people who get so worried about not being able to have children on cycle i'm like well didn't yeah. prevent anything there's a yeah. good topic we could talk about that as well yeah. oh yeah for sure yeah, we're coming up with a lot of topics yeah. during the show all right <laughs> thoughts on a blend of no ester compounds as pre-workout and specific legging muscle enhancement that include no ester boldenon, no ester nandrolone, and uh, dianolone. I don't know dianolone. Uh, no ester. Okay, my first reaction is I up. hate no estered gear. That's just me. <laughs> yeah, because I like blood levels, you know, to be stable and maintained and that sort of thing. I don't. This is just me, and I do. I'll admit that I am not well versed, and I don't have a ton of experience with no estered gear. But the reason I don't have that experience is because I know a little bit about them in the sense that I, unless you're a power lifter or you're doing something that you need to your testosterone levels to fly through the roof for about two hours, yeah. <laughs> I don't know that that is because uh, anytime your test levels go up ridiculously like that, you know, you have to battle. You have to battle with you know, estrogen rebound and stuff like that, trying to control other hormones. Yeah. So I, unless you have an aggression issue or you're powerlifting or something, I don't see that there's going to be as much of a benefit to no ester gear, unless you want to pin it five times a day. And even then I, uh, somebody take it for me. Um, have you guys ever had Boldenone Ace? No, but I've heard I nightmare have stories okay. about it. Okay. It's the worst thing I've ever taken in my life. Yeah, I bet. That, that's heard. the ace. I don't want to see what no ester bullshit. I know, is. man. Like ace, I remember I got two shots in. That was it. And yeah. I and I had spent I whatever, I bought four. I threw uh. them all away. It was garbage. 
I mean, yeah. it's like, and this is, you know, very good. You know, it's like I tried different things, warm it up, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. No, it's just, it's terrible. It's like that is not meant to be like that, <laughs> you know? And so they made it like a freak compound and you can make it into a no ester, but it's awful. Well, I don't know why I do that to yourself. I mean, I, I've used, I, I do like during some periods to use something like an oral or, um, heck, I, I've done methyltrin a couple times and I, I've implemented that, but honestly it's like the the, sh- the pre-workout shots not really into them Usually and what about like- localized growth because he was asking about localized growth too i mean well, i'm of the belief that you're just not gonna do that anyway with an aas it, so it well with the past the liver anyway so it has it's it's leaving that spot so unless right I'm, what i could see is um there could be benefit from having some pain in that spot better Swelling, my muscle connection yeah. Yeah, so I mean, you can just yeah. jab yourself with an insulin needle and go to the gym. Right. <laughs> it's where it's like you know you're you're not even putting anything in. But I think Drano I, I, would do the same thing. I'm pretty sure, and it might be a little cheaper. <laughs> don't do that for anybody who's listening to. Me. Don't do that. I don't want to get sued. <laughs> um, it's funny. That's that's the uh, that's the next step. It's Tide Pods, and then it's Drano. <laughs> exactly. The young kids did the Tide Pods. The older yeah. hardcore guys, we do Drano. Yeah. yeah. I think there's but, more of a, a group of people that are coming around to the no esters, and it's I would say it's it's with the heavy heavy training that we've shifted towards. I've heard more and more guys that are you know commenting with questions on the shows, and I think it's it's because people are trying to push more weight in the gym, more progressive overload, and they're looking for a way to get stronger and thus grow more. You know what I mean? I think that's where they're coming from. I know that Jordan Peters is a big fan of that stuff and he'll cycle Mm -hmm. it in for like two weeks at a time or whatever, you know, just trying to break through plateaus and strength. Um, I would say the vast majority of people aren't the vast majority of pros that I know. That's not what they've done. So I'll throw that out there. And as far as that muscle growth thing goes, I don't, I don't see that either. You know, I oh. mean, I, I, I don't see localized muscle growth. I think there's something on paper that uh, a test no sure. can cause muscle growth. So I wouldn't be surprised if there's some small amount, but I could, I feel like the, the cons would way outweigh the pros. I, whenever I hear about like no ester or orals and thinking about actual muscle accrual in the pre-workout kind of setting. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the reason you take something there is for blood levels to spike right before. Right. Yeah. So in my mind, I always think you're getting like, because people will say like, oh, you're not going to gain muscle. It's like, yeah, but the reason you're doing it is to, in, let's say you do it for four weeks. It's to have your lifts up for four weeks and your lifts being up and being able to kind of keep it going after you pull it. That's really, it's yeah. like the cumulative effect of having the strength. That's really what it is. It's not so much like a this equals more muscle but i don't i guess i'm officially old school if i just would prefer to take anadrol than like uh no ester drug but yeah. they're all let they me all hurt so bad yeah no shit let me spin off on what leo just posted because i think that what he just his statement that he just i read it down here which is kind of cool that we can see those comments um he makes a good point um what do you say but i want to he was saying that uh, pre-workout 
that there, I'm paraphrasing, but that there is a benefit because a lot of us will use orals. And again, I'm paraphrasing, you know, orals prior to as well. I don't disagree that there are, he put it back up. Cool. Um, that there is a benefit much like Nelson was saying with, you know, increasing the blood levels during training. My thing is, is I think it's splitting hairs and, and I'm going to go, I'm going to step on some toes, I think with this. So I want to be very careful how I say this. Um, because I, I certainly don't want to offend Jordan or anybody else because Jordan knows his shit. Uh, there's no question there. And him thinking outside of the box, I think, is a great thing. But a lot of people are latching on to, I think, again, this is just my opinion. A lot of people are latching on to things now like um, no Western gear, much like they, they grasp things like mint and things that come around. It's almost like they're saying... Well, the EQs and the trends, that's just, uh, we've been doing that. That's boring. That's, there has to be other things at work. I'm not against that, that thinking, that philosophy, but they're almost grasping. It's like, it's something new. It's something that hasn't been thought of, or we need to try. I think again, though, that it's splitting hairs. I, I, even when I take an oral pre-workout and I run it for four weeks, even if it's strong and it's, you know, Anadrol or whatever I'm not going to be able to quantify. I can't go back and quantify and go, right. wow, man, four weeks, because I could not take it prior to the workout. And if I'm on Anadrol, I'm going to see an increase in strength anyway. Uh, I don't know. Maybe there's other things that can't, you can't quantify like aggression that you may want. You may be able to train a little bit harder, but I just don't think again, coming back to cost to benefit. I, I just don't see it. There are some things that we do on paper because they add up and they make sense. Um, it's, I think it's very similar to GH timing. I don't even know. And a lot of top guys have said this when we've had conversations in the past, uh, back in the message board days, we don't even know or, or can be sure that timing of growth hormone is really going to make that much of a difference because it sometimes comes down to so a lot of us agreed with. It sometimes just comes down to whether you respond to growth hormone or you don't respond to growth hormone. Yeah. And it's almost just like, just take it and get it in your fucking system. <laughs> and it's yeah. either going to work or it's not. I think that a lot of what we do is splitting hairs. And I'm not saying that's bad because we can come across things that, you know, oh shit, this works a little bit better. Thinking outside of the box is great. But I think in this particular situation, my opinion, I think it's splitting hairs. Okay. This it's funny. I don't remember which podcast this was, but I'm pretty sure it was with you guys. Was Andrew Barry on with you guys? Yeah, yeah, yeah not too long ago. Okay. This this is it, okay. Then this is the one where he was talking about BBC. Yeah, it's like my bodybuilding brain and then my logical brain. You're it's right, like right. My 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 logical brain says take it, get it in your system. I, I mean, whatever. Then my bodybuilding brain goes, bro pre-workout <laughs> exactly yeah and then you're kind of thinking about like gh just take the gh you're gonna grow yeah right yeah, but yeah. bro yeah <laughs> you know yeah. the studies show yeah it's like the studies show with two iu's they don't show with eight you know yeah <laughs> so it's like it's on a regular person versus you know like what, right. what are you doing they're not trying to it's like oh they lost they lost a kilogram of body fat it's like all right. Well, we're trying to get down from eight to four percent, you know, so mm -hmm. maybe the lipolysis, you know, it's like things once they get more intricate, they get a little more specific. But right. yeah, I, I agree with you 100 percent. It's like you I think when I usually start doing stuff like this, splitting hairs, timing things, it's just like, OK, what do I what is probably the optimal thing? And even if it doesn't work, I will inconvenience myself to this much of a degree yeah now if if 
I'm probably I won't not gonna get to the point where it's like if I'm, I'm gonna take twelve, which is crazy. But let's say like twelve, I use a GH. I'm gonna do two every three hours, and you know it's like yeah. To to some point, you're getting crazy when you're yeah. waking up in the middle of the night. And you're like okay, so it's three hours from when I went to bed. Not pin it, and then it doesn't need to be all that. Yeah. But yeah. if you're, I say like if it were something like, uh, it's it's convenient for me. I I wake up. I I train like. I, I work at eight o'clock in the morning, so I train at five. I take my energy all first thing in the morning. Perfect. Do it. You know, yeah. it's yeah. convenient. You will remember then. Right. All right. We got one from Paige here. She says, uh, lately I've been hearing females using a cycle of both Anivar and Primo. I always thought it was one or the other. Uh, just trying to understand why using both at the same time would be a thing. Uh, let's see. And she had another question too. So I'll stop there and we'll get back to her. And uh, Paige, to put her into perspective, is a figure competitor, I believe. Okay. I mean, you can, you're allowed to do as many things at once as you want. <laughs> yeah. I, it, yeah. It's kind of a tough question to answer because yeah. it's almost like, um, yeah, I would. I would compare it to this. Will you get more out of Primo and Anivar versus just taking more Anivar, especially when the dose is low? Probably not. It, it, in this particular situation, I don't think that someone's going to add Primo and go, wow, this Primo, or, or be able to compare it to just, say, increasing your Anivar dosage. Um, and I'm, I'm comparing this to her being a figure competitor and the benefit that she may get out of it because she's the one that asked the question. But I don't think you're going to see much of it. It's a milligram to a certain degree. I, someone can pick me apart on that and, and I would understand, but milligram to milligram type thing. It's not like it's anadrol or something that, right. you know, would show a drastic or dramatic difference. So, uh, but it's not, I, to cut to her question specifically, I would, I don't consider that uncommon. I mean, Primo and Anabar is a, you know, again, it comes down to dosage, but those two compounds together right. for a female. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I would prefer yeah, I mean, those over adding Winstrel to the mix because I've heard a lot of Anivar and Winstrel being used together. I'm not a big fan of Winstrel personally with in, girls. In a pre-contest or yeah. off-season? Uh, a pre-contest. Pre oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that makes more sense. I don't know. I think it's it's kind of just what your, your, you, your level of competing and, I guess, running compounds and, and what you're comfortable with because, yeah, I mean, you can take both. Um, off-season... I usually don't have people do multiple compounds. It's usually one. Um, and uh, for simplicity, for not being a pain. And honestly, with, with I would say with most females, and I mean, you can agree or disagree, most of them can grow pretty well off of Anivar, you know? Yeah, and, and I agree. Not, not, even, not even very much. So, mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I had a women's physique competitor who won a pro show and almost the whole prep, she was taking 10 milligrams of Anivar. Yeah, I believe you know, it. I believe it. You know, I've seen it, girls yeah. win their pro cards using very yeah. little, yeah. So you know, I mean, I, in I women's like physique. If it's legit, it's like 10 milligrams is pretty good. And I mean, yeah. you don't have to stay at 10 milligrams, but let's say, I mean, 10 milligrams of real handlebar is pretty good. And usually when people are like, no, this is, this isn't enough. It's like, I mean, I, I don't like being super critical, but you almost get into like, okay, if it's real, it's like, are you, are you training hard enough? Because man, like, Lots of people change from this super fast. Yeah. Let me ask you, know, you guys this. I got a question for you three guys, or you two guys, not yep. three, because I am asking Count. a question. But, but nonetheless, um, when it comes down to the compounds themselves, do you, do you look at 
I'm trying to not give away my response, but the question is going to give it, give it away. Yeah. Do you, we're talking more about sides than we are actual progress because I've always felt that look, just like we're talking about, I don't, I would rather a woman not take Winstraw, but yet if you take Winstraw instead of Anavar, you take it in the same dosage, instead of taking 10 grams of mil of Anavar, you take five milligrams of Winstraw and you take five milligrams of Anavar. Technically, mm -hmm basically your progress is going to be roughly the same for this discussion but the yeah. sides i look at it from a sides component I mean, you could take trend you could take dhb but the sides are where you have to be careful and we right. obviously are more careful with you know females than yeah. we are males because if you get male side effects and you're a male it's not <laughs> as bad as nothing happens side effects yeah yeah, exactly. So I think when it, the women should look at it more and, and she may have been asking in that context, but I don't know if it was clear. So from a benefit standpoint of what you're going to see in the gym as far as muscle mass and things like that, it's going to be roughly the same. It's the sides when you change these compounds that can change sometimes dramatically sure. and the dose doesn't have to be that big for females. So I just well, wanted to throw that out there, see if you guys agreed, but I figured you did. Yeah, absolutely. I would say, especially with, with Winstrol, I mean, if, if you're going to take Winstrol, you need to take less than you would Anaphar. Yeah. Um, yeah, but even at a low dose, I mean, I, I, I don't disagree with that, but I'm just saying, like, if we're using real low doses, like it's five milligrams oral, I don't right. know if that would, I think as it starts to get up higher, then, it, of course, the side effects become more dramatic when you get up in higher. Oh, yeah, of course. Plenty. But uh, let's say I, <clears throat> on, you know, who, whomever, 20, like, a figure better. 20 milligrams of anivar usually not that many sides you know and most of them they come to you running 20 30 milligrams and you're like 30 what, what are you doing but let's say like you're 20 milligrams of anivar that's pretty common um 20 milligrams of winstrol right you shouldn't be running that too long lest the sides get out of hand yeah um, I agree. so you know you could you could run that a couple weeks or even let's say like the last week but I, you, if you're thinking, talking six, eight, 12, that's not something that's realistic, in my opinion, to do it wisely. Mm -hmm. um, so, but yeah, I, I would say for the most part, when, when you're getting down to just milligrams, yeah, I, I agree. Um, but I don't know. I guess I just see, I do see Winstrol as harsher. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's yeah. coming into a show now. So I think she's uh, talking about prep, you know, um, and I, yeah, I, mean, I think just kind of put it in a little more context. Um, and I think that like, I was thinking a couple things here just to kind of add in. Um, I mean, I think you guys are right. I think that when that's my first thought when we talk about women and steroids, my first thought is like the side effects, not necessarily the benefits. But, yeah, you stack two steroids together do you guys think yeah. there's a synergy do you guys believe yeah. in, in synergy between steroids because well, between steroids in general because i i think there is i mean i i, I think that taking 500 and test 500 deca in my experience produced better results with less side effects than say taking a thousand test skip i don't know that there's not a synergy i'm i'm thinking this because my initial reaction was absolutely yes but then yeah. the more i think about it while you're talking i'm thinking to myself i don't know that there isn't but i question whether some people because it's so individual that some people just don't do well on certain compounds 
And I don't know when you say synergy, I think that it's more in my brain anyway, that it's more across the board, like this and this will work. But sometimes it doesn't because, you know, I, I use myself as an example when it comes to Primo, I just don't seem to get much out of Primo as an, ex yeah. as an example. So I don't know that there would, I don't know if I would consider that a synergy with another drug or I just don't respond very well to it. And I would respond with something else. Here's an, another example. I'd throw at you. I have used say, you know, trend and NPP uh, together. And I thought that it was awesome and great. And a lot of people don't like to do that. So I don't know, you know, if you ask most people, I think they would say, yeah, I don't run trend with, you know, NPP or DECA. And then I do it and it's, I'm like, oh, wow, this is some good, this works really well. Yeah. So <laughs> I kind of got us off topic. Sorry. But what were you, what were you going to say though, Nelson, about this topic? Oh, what was the question again? Just I was, synergy. I was just I, about to agree with, with Skip. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, it, it's funny because I, I, I kind of follow along the same as with Skip. It's like my knee jerk re reaction, like immediately was like, yes, of course there's a synergy. And then, like, I was thinking about it, and I'm like, well, it's like how much is synergy and how much is just each compound is awesome. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like, I would say if I were to take, I don't know. How about trend and windstraw? Oh, I thought you were going with yeah, compounds. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, Because I can fun. see trend as wind, twin and trend. And let me slow down. Trend and windstraw. I would consider, I think most people would, that that's a pretty synergistic. But is yeah, it just yeah, yeah. that that those compounds tend to work for most people? I, I right. don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Right, yeah, that's right. why I can't figure out. You're right. I mean, um, but yeah, I would say like if, if I'm, we'll say trend and windstraw, if I'm taking, I don't know, what's a responsible dose? Three, 300 milligrams of trend. Yeah, that's responsible. <laughs> a day. Yeah, I know. It's like, <laughs> anytime like you talk about trend, like people like they look at your, I mean, even if you said like 525, you know, they're like, whoa, bro. I'm like, dude, I'm like, it's like two weeks. Calm down. <laughs> like, I'm a grown man. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's, let's say you're doing whatever, 350 wind strong, which is like something I do in the off season. It's like you put 100 every other day um, with your test or something. Um, I, I'd say you, you're doing 350 wind strong and, or uh, 350 trend and then let's say 50 wind strong every day. That works awesome. And I would say yeah. you're, you're absolutely not going to get the same effects from just adding 50 milligrams more trend. And yeah. you know what? You, you you might not want to because whenever you reach, I don't know, I, there's probably a sweet spot for everybody, right? Um, right. Um, because there's definitely a point where if I'm taking trend, I don't want to go over that lest the side effects just get too much. And it's, it's not that, you know, I know some people, their idea of side effects is like, oh, I can't handle it. It's so harsh. It's like, that's, that's when you're way too much. It's, it's like, I mean, are you sleeping well? Yeah. Or, or is, right. is it just awful? Are you lactating? That's probably a terrible idea. <laughs> Maybe back it down a little bit. Yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah. You know, just just because you have caber doesn't mean that you know. You need to use you it. Know. Yeah. Right. You I need to push know. it until um, you need to use it. Right. Just push it till you have to take a gram of caber every day. <laughs> um, All right. I'll dial us back in because she had one more question. Yeah. I hope that we helped her out there. If she yeah, doesn't listen, I well, guess if we were to give advice, I I would just say. That if you're doing well with just Anivar, then stick with yeah. just Anivar, you know, and that like Nelson said, you can get really good results, you know, when a girl won a pro show on how many milligrams? Ten. That was ten. So there is that. So that was that was all the way till four weeks. She was at ten. Oh, and yeah, I'll say she would have. Go ahead. Go ahead. I say if she doubled the dosage, she probably could have gotten her pro card in half the time. I just want to be no, clear. No, that was a pro show. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> he qualified for the Olympia on that. Damn. Oh, wow. 
So, and I guess too, my thought is, is that steroids are there to more or less support muscle in the prep. And as a figure competitor, I really do feel like for a lot of girls, at least 10 milligrams Anivar would be plenty. Do you need to push that up higher in the off, you know, off season? I don't know, but, uh, you know, it's all individual, but yeah, I, in fact, man, I feel like steroids can even cause problems for girls getting, getting my, my thing is I want to see a girl be able to get lean enough and get hard enough. That's usually the challenge. You know, it's not like Mm -hmm. I haven't seen girls have like a big issue with like, oh man, she's losing size as much as like, well, she could have been tighter. You know what I mean? Right. So I don't know. Um, one other quick one she had is, uh, and I, I'll be interested to get both of your guys' opinions on this. Typically, what is a good time to have your last leg day before a show? That's a good question. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I'm kind of old school. Um, I use the old school approach, and I usually cut cardio and leg training at a, roughly about a week out. Um, but again, you know, they're always variables but typically that's what i like to do because i think that if you're dealing with inflammation coming into the last week in your legs you're going to lose details and detail and separation so um you know there some people may need to do something there but you know even things like squats and stuff like that i don't like to do a lot of heavy type of shit like that even at a week out so i don't go for the pump and i don't go for the even leg extension leg curls type stuff the last week. Um, but she is that, that was a, she, that yeah. was a female that's paid. It's the same said. girl. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you know, everybody's going to be different. I would say it's a very safe, um, way to do it. Then from there, if you feel like, well, maybe I could get a little bit of work in, you could with future shows, you could try to get some, some light isolation work in there. I don't know that it would be terribly beneficial. I think you're safe with a week, but that's just how I approach it. I have done a week, 10 days, 14 days. Um, everyone, like, it's funny, a couple of years ago, people were talking about 14 days, like, you need to take two weeks off, fully recover, and because like, you're already, you're still doing cardio for another week, so you're not really going to be recovered. Well, I don't think my legs looked as good. Um, I felt like when I, when I wait just a week, that's when they look the best. Um, any longer than that, and I don't, I don't have, like, crazy 3D, stupid hang around muscle so if i go too long they just they kind of don't have like the same fullness right so i like a week i, I mean it's it's funny because it's, it's like the kind of the stereotypical uh, like the bodybuilder thing but a week works there's a reason why, you know why most people do it like that yeah and i think filling out can be difficult too because if you're doing a lot of cardio and it depends on the cardio right. that you're doing and you try i mean it's they're the larger muscles you know, in your body, they're going to be hard to fill out if they're very, very depleted uh, and that you could end up full everywhere else and you could not be full, with, right. you know, in quads it's, it's, and things like that. I actually think that's like the the more important thing that you said there is like you cut cardio and like training mm-hmm. there. Um, and it's funny because uh, we were at the Chicago Pro and Akeem Williams got into the elevator with us. I mean, this was in Atlanta, so it's the Chicago Pro. Yeah. But he got in the elevator with us. He's drenched in sweat. This is the day before the, the open show. Huh. Um, and and we're like, geez, like, is it raining outside? And he's like, no, I just did cardio. Huh. The day yeah. before. And it's funny because um, I told who I was. I mean, he's going to look terrible. This is yeah. not going to be good. He's going to be, he looked diced. 
Yeah. Like it was, it was, it was funny because like he it was the best I've ever seen him. Huh. And he obviously he won that show. He won the show, and it's funny because it was a really close call, and it came down to one point at the end. And I'm like, maybe that last session was like what pushed him over the edge. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, or was he that good in spite of it? It could very well be. Yeah, it could very well be. It's just one of those things where, um, I guess I would say, I mean, I don't always know because certainly I would have never, ever, ever had him do that. Mm-hmm. But Oscar had him do that. And he walked on stage, and that is the best I've ever seen him. Well, maybe so, they were watching it. I mean, not maybe. Oscar yeah. was obviously watching him really I'm, close I'm all sure the way was, in. He was in, and, in there right next to him, you know? And it made sense. You know what I mean? Yeah. It made sense. I think there has been times where I've seen cardio be beneficial later in the week coming into it. You know, get calorie, get like get the food moving around, get the yeah. blood circulating. But it's not like something I would say, here's my template. You know right, what I no, mean? Exactly. Exactly. It's funny. I don't know. If, like, I mean, I'm sure if you guys go to, um, if you guys go to a show, I mean, I skip, you don't normally go to shows. Do you? <laughs> um, uh, not, no, not, not as much as I used to, yeah, but, but, but I'm, you, you know, the deal. It's like when you go to a show and you're at a gym, like two days out, all the bikini girls are still there doing the cardio. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that I do. So yeah, I, that I do. It, it also depends on the division. You know, it's like, Maybe they need to look flat. You know, it's no yeah. no bikini girls coming and bursting full or anything, you know? Yeah, I don't want to drag the topic out, but I wanted to add one thing. We also don't know how much cardio and to what extent. We think yeah. of cardio and maybe it was intense, maybe it was short. Maybe it was yeah. two and a half hours and it was low intensity and right. he was in a rubber suit and they wanted to move water because he had spilled dramatically, yep. you know, right. drastically. Oh, and then he woke up the next day and he was dry yeah. as fuck and full as fuck. I mean, that could be too. Yeah, he, he could have been spilled and then they fixed it. Absolutely. Yeah, we're, we're yeah. probably not yeah. going to get to all the questions here, guys, just because I don't have the uh, the stamina to stay up and do them. Uh, but we'll get through what we can and we'll save the rest of the questions for the next episode. Um, I'm just going to take the next one I had down here. I am curious as to how, how all you guys, what your methods are for stack design for yourself and for your athletes. There is a school of thought that roughly 10 milligrams per kilogram is a standard range of combined compounds during a blast phase for an intermediate bodybuilder. Uh, it is something I've picked up from following Dan Duchesne and his theories, just wondering um, how you all go about it. And actually, I'm going to tie two questions into one. That's the kind of host I am. Because we can't get them all, so I'm going to try to do two here. <laughs> There's another guy who says that um, this is the guideline protocol for the off-season uh, by a, he says, a certain bodybuilding coach. Not saying the names. Huh. Don't want you to be biased or unbiased. Uh, what do you three think of such approach? Note is a rough diagram that gets adapted and individualized based on the athlete. Uh, his athletes' needs and context. So he has a graph here showing the weeks, uh, and then it's milligrams versus kilograms, and then he's got a chart to to figure it all out. Uh, Is that for gear? Yes, milligrams. So I'm going to guess. Yeah, he's talking gear. What's your thought here, Skip? If it's from another prep coach that he doesn't want to name. I don't want to comment out of, out of respect for whoever that prep guy is, whether I like him or hate him, I would have the same response. I would, I'm not going to 
beat up the guy asking the question, but I would say that if someone posted anything that I've done with my client uh, and posted online to get, you know, opinions, I would probably be mildly offended. Now this looks like it's a, this looks like he's put this out. I'm guessing like the coaches. Oh, okay. All right. If that's the case, that's what I'm guessing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And milligrams, I'd have to see it. I going back to the first, the first question, um, I don't use formulas for anything and that's not to say that they're bad, uh, but I don't use them for calories. I don't use them for, you know, gear dosing or anything else. Um, and the reason for that is this simple. And I use two examples. If I have an NFL lineman <clears throat> who might come into town at, you know, 360 pounds and, or, or even sometimes higher, <laughs> if he's listening, I don't, I'm not taking a shot at him, but nobody knows exactly who it is. Um, his, by formula, his calories would be significantly higher than say a hundred and, you know, 30 pound figure girl. Yet I have seen 130 pound figure girls routinely take in far more calories than this particular NFL lineman to get lean. So the formulas, the reason I don't use them is because they just don't, he's talking just gear. not that good. They're, they're basic starting points for for an individual, for a person. I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, the, but I don't know if a lot of prep guys use that type of, a, of an approach. He's talking it, gear though. Okay, but, okay, as far as milligram, okay. Milligram I, I got, kilogram. Okay, fair enough. Um, I confused you because I combined two, two questions. Yeah, it's, yeah. yeah it, it's the same premise in the sense that, uh, coming back to the formula concept, I just don't like it because I tend to run cycles or help to set up cycles for clients based on what they have done in the past, how long or how much of a history they have with gear use, how they responded to it, things like that. Um, Again, the formulas, I'm just not a big fan of that approach. I'm not either, man. I'm just not. I I thought you were going to say I missed it. And so I was like, no, no, no. I'm I'm 100% (laughs) with you because I looked at that and I'm like, you know, at the end of the day, it's like you, it's just not the way that my brain works. You know, and here's the deal, man, is that a formula would be good. I I think a formula could be interesting to somebody that's new. And if there's a prep coach out there that's found a formula that works for him, then more power to him. But I wouldn't say I would I wouldn't be comfortable trying to take that formula and adapting it for myself. My experience has come through. I mean, it's years of just seeing a lot of physiques and learning, asking a lot of questions from people who are smarter than me and and then seeing things for myself to understand how to do it. And through all of that, I would say the exact same thing as you, Skip, that it's super individualized, that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, it all comes down to somebody's previous experience and how they've responded to different compounds. And I mean, I talked to a guy who is an elite level power lifter who... I had suggested to use 25 milligrams of Anadrol, you know, like, and it's just like for him, it made a lot of sense, but you wouldn't think that, you know, based off of a formula. I don't know, but I don't know. What do you think, Nelson? Uh, I've never used a formula for gear. Um, That's, that's not really the way I think as far as, Oh, you're, you're 200 pounds. You need to be using this much testosterone. I guess I don't think like that, um, especially since, let's say you're, 
you're six feet, 220. I'm, I'm five foot five, 220. Right. What about body fat percentage? Same thing. Right. Are you going right. to, are you, you know, going to dose your gear based on total weight? Yeah. Right. So it's like, I've been, I've been taking gear for a little while. And then this guy, it's like, he's never touched anything and he's skinny and he's six foot four. It, it doesn't make sense that he would start on as much gear as I would need. Right. So to me, like, and I'm not going to like step all over this person to me, that's illogical. And that could, because I don't have the scientific background to understand his formula. Or maybe we're not getting Fair. the whole story Fair. from him. Or, or maybe there's, <laughs> there's a whole other thing that goes with that graph. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I still think that the basics are around the same when you're starting probably test only 300, 500 milligrams, you're off to the races, mm-hmm. you know, and, and whether you are, 160 pounds on stage or or you are 200 pounds just starting i'm not going to do anything different i would still start with someone around there i'm not going to start someone on a sarm or or multiple compounds at once or a a kickstarted oral i'm I'm never going to ever do that Um, and you can always go up that's the thing i think sometimes people don't understand if you get it wrong you can just go up yeah. There's no, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, to me, it, it's it's really hard to kind of. But, but I I agree with the like the comparison to it's the same with nutrition. Like I'm like when someone tells me what they're eating, I don't go okay. Well, you're 185, so times 10 for calories. Right. You know, I, I I've never done that. It's I can understand where the formula though. If I just take everything I know. And I completely wipe it out and I say, gosh, yep. where would I start? A formula would be really helpful to give right. me some type yes. of black and white starting point. So yep. even if for those people who don't know and they use the formula, that's fine. Then once you get that where you're starting with the formula, yep. then you have to start to read your body and pay yep. attention. And I think a lot of people just they you need time and you need that experience under your belt to be able to read the feedback that your body is giving you and then be able to make those adjustments. Yeah. And, and it's trial and error. I mean, that's the reality of it. And when people say, well, I don't want to do the trial and error. I want someone else who knows how to do it. We're basically doing the same thing. Right. We're reading right. what you're doing and we're taking your feedback and we're seeing. And we're, now we might save you some time because we're better off at reading it without being biased. And you're where someone's individual brain can kick in and go, oh, I'm hungry. Oh, I need to a cheat meal. Oh, I yeah, need yeah. more or less. Black. We don't have to deal with those biases. Also, you've seen it so many times you've had a lot more experience so you can make at, you right. know, and that's, that's the thing with a coach and you can make those choices and decisions quicker. I think that would be mm-hmm. the other part of that story too. Right. And, and just like with, with food, if you saw someone was taking 600 tests, 400 EQ, yeah. you're not gonna be like, Oh, well you gotta be on a grammar test and 800 EQ because your body yeah. weight says that you know, it's like, right. you would be like, Oh, you'd be like, all right, this is working for you growing. We're just gonna leave it right here. And then we're going to change this. And we're going to change this. Yeah. Right. So, it's it's situational it it might be a great starting point you know if, if you have you're very new at this and you are you've been doing this for a couple of years and you're kind of like where do i go from here it's like well my body weight's increased this i want to try this go for it knock yourself out i don't think there's anything wrong with that i think part of bodybuilding is is experimentation and learning your body and and kind of just trying out a bunch of stuff yeah right. um, but yeah it's, it's never something i, I would use personally Sorry about that, guys. <laughs> All right. I'll see if I can find one more here. I'm, uh, 
I'm that was my phone. Not that is that what that was? Yeah, I was propping it up. I keep it propped up so I can see it without having to really look down and you know look like I'm not listening or you know what I mean. So I have it propped up and I had it too far and it you know. All right, I got. uh, (laughs) Let's see here. Okay, this kind of goes back to when we were talking about training. Um, If I'm doing unilateral exercise, should I go to failure with each side or do the same number of reps? Even if the one side hasn't reached failure, um, will one side grow more if I do more reps? Well, that's what we were talking about earlier. That's the post that I was referencing when it okay. when we were talking about imbalances. So the only thing I would add to that is th- that I wanted to say earlier, but we had gone a little long on it, was I don't believe, and, th- and this is just a personal thing. It's not, and I understand that I have OCD issues, but I will never, if I had a bad imbalance, I would not train one side. I would figure out how to train both sides sure. to figure. Yeah. I, there are those people who will do a couple extra reps on one side. I just, that's just not something because then you, you get into this big gray area is two enough. Should it be three? Is that too much? It's like, you can't look and go, cause you're always going to have one side based on coordination and your uh, you know, the way the nervous system is set up that is, you're going to favor one side and bodybuilding is funny because you want, you want that perfect balance, but it's rarely there. There've been pros forever and ever. Hallelujah. Now in the eighties and everything else, Richie Gaspari had an arm that was an inch and a half bigger than the other. They're not always going to be perfectly the same and you're not going to notice it. Well, you will individually on yourself. You'll notice those things, but even really good judges, unless it's a peck or a ladder, it's something that's right next to, and then you can see the symmetry or the the asymmetry. You're not going to notice. It has to be a pretty dramatic difference in a leg or an arm before it's going to be noticed. One of my uh, uh, listeners from bodybuilding nerds, I think it was, I I don't know. He might be listening here. I wish I could remember who it was. Maybe he is listening. Maybe he'll, uh, he'll message me after this. Um, He had such a cool analogy the way he put it. So imagine if you have an imbalance, let's say like one peck is, we'll we'll just like call this a number is the way he put it. One peck is a six. The other peck is a five. If you can move those up several numbers and now this one is a nine, let's say this one's an 11 and this one's a 10. It's still imbalanced, but that, that imbalance, that asymmetry is going to look a lot smaller if you can continue to grow both muscles. Mm-hmm. Agreed. I thought that yeah, was a really agree. good way of putting it. Mm-hmm. You, you yep. turned one up to 11. <laughs> so, exactly. <laughs> yes. Yes. You got any thoughts to throw in on that one, Nelson? I know we kind of talked about it a little bit earlier. No, I mean, I, I agree. Um, I was able to throw it in spinal tap reference. So I feel like I, 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 did, I did my duty. And for everyone, it was a win. Whoever hasn't seen this is spinal tap. I, I'm very disappointed in you. You should all be watching that. Um, I would like to go back uh, just a brief second. I'm yeah. very surprised um, and disappointed that Skip doesn't like Primo. Yeah. I know. I am not a fan of it. I, it, I and I ran it. I ran it at high dose. And I'm like, God damn, this just does not see. And the second I changed that one compound out, it was great. I yeah. Like, oh, really? Man, yeah. I, just, I, I really yeah. like it. Yeah. But that shows the difference. I mean, that's a good yeah. that's a good example right there. You know, we've both been at it for a while and it, you you like it and you respond well to it. And I'm looking at it going, yeah, this could go right in the trash. It's, it's funny. There's like I I know there's like every time once in a while, it's like I don't get stuff. that's what it's supposed to be. Right. So it's like I've had it where it's been MPP and I can just tell that is MVP. That is not Remo. Yeah. But 
let's say more recently, I, you know, had some Bayer amps that, you know, I know were legit and I had the best experience to where I'm like almost looking forward to doing it again. It's like, I looked so good. <laughs> um, I don't know. It's, it's funny. I, I, I really like it. I work really with do. a guy who um, everything he took, he didn't get a good response from, you know, like we tried Buddy, this. This is golf. a guy. Yeah. What's up? I said golf. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we yeah, took, yeah. You know, we tried, uh, you know, testing Anavar, testing Deca, like everything. Everything was bad news. I, I shouldn't say testing Anavar, testing D-ball, you know, uh, testing yeah. Deca. We tried EQ. Nothing was going really good. And then he tried uh, Masteron and he started looking better and he started improving. And then we thought, yeah, like he was growing and getting in shape. And I was like, let's, I said, I got a crazy idea. You know, you haven't really responded to things well in your off season. Let's throw a little mast in and see what happens. We use some Masteron and then they, and he and, and obviously he's in a surplus. He's running tests. He's gonna yeah. grow. This is more right. hormone than he would have had in otherwise. Was my thought. Mm-hmm. And he he did his. He's you know he's not a huge guy, but he made really good progress. He's got you know some decent muscle on him now. Uh, but yeah, testing uh, Masteron was a great growing compound wow. for him. Just like test. We, and then I thought, well, if that worked good, why don't we try Primo? You right. know, and Primo so worked a, really well too. Okay, so why is that? Explain it. You know, yeah, I talked okay, to, I was going okay, to, I, ju- I jumped the gun. My no, 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 you're okay. But the, I was looking at one other component too. And that was SHVG. We looked at all that and I can't remember where it was now, but everything made sense. Um, he has a really weird response in general. There's some okay. stuff going on there. Like, like his TRT is over 300 milligrams to get him in range. Wow. But it's not, it wasn't a free testosterone issue because when you were talking about the master, I'm like, oh my God, he just had high SHBG. And when he took the master, you know, basically you can have high levels of total tests and it doesn't fucking matter because your yeah. free testosterone comes in. So, but that may not, that may not, that's what came to mind though, originally. I, you know what it was? I'm, and I'm still putting the pieces together on him. Uh, but I talked to Victoria about it and I think there's some. I think there's some stuff. It's pretty, pretty deep in there though. Um, that relate to, to why that may be. If, if I do figure it out, I'll, uh, I'll bring it back and let you guys know, but yeah, cool. just, I just wanted to, you know, express that. Yeah. Everybody has such a different response. He's like an extreme example though, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. It, it does give a little bit of hope to some people though, who are like, Oh, well, maybe I just haven't tried that combo. It's like that's why I'm not Mr. Olympia. It's like I haven't had the Mastron. <laughs> I can still win it all. It's just Master. <laughs> I can still win it all. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, Skip, how's your uh, how's your client training going? I know I've seen you with a bunch of people and stuff down there in Florida. You mean my one on one? Yeah, yeah, it's going. I first and foremost, I just like being out of the house and socializing. It is very cool. Very fun. Clients are awesome. Um, I just, I really enjoy it. The commute I could do without, but it's a necessary evil because I don't live there anymore. But it is, it's it's pretty cool. Manny, I'm not training him one-on-one, but uh, Manny down in Miami, he's coming back from that torn bicep and he's back to being able to train. It's funny because I was going to note earlier, you were talking uh, about uh, Fitzwater and 
you know, they don't lose it. And I get updated picks from Manny every week. And I'm like, could you just lose something? Throw me a bone. <laughs> yeah. Like no one is going to guess that this fucker hasn't been training. It's, it's just, so, it's incredible. What, when did he start back training? Cause I just saw a picture of him. Like he, he must've posted yesterday or something. And I'm like, geez, he looks good. Yeah. He is still not a hundred percent though. He's very, very close. So he's training things like, uh, training his upper body, but he continued to train arms brutal. I mean, they would hold him yeah. down in the angle leg press and, and things like that. And of course he had to be careful with his grip and, and pulling against the bicep. I had yeah, to yeah. hit him up with a very nice, and it was nice, very nice email saying, and he'll back me up if he's listening. Um, those neutral grip, narrow T-bar rows while your bicep is still recovering, yeah. it's not going to be the best option right now. No, I think not. <laughs> Yeah, I'm like I know I realize they're not under grip. We you did get rid of that grip, and that's a good yeah. thing. But let's go overhand, and let's you know let's not go yeah. so narrow. So you're, he's you're really he's nice. coming back. He's doing well. Yeah, it was a very nice, yeah, yeah. very nice email, and he will back me up on that. Um, My, he's he's coming back. He's he's doing real well. He's just not 100 percent yet, but he's very very close. And I will give him this. He has been very patient. I really thought that when he first had the injury i'm like this motherfucker isn't gonna wait three weeks and he's gonna <laughs> back bang and i'm gonna have to stop down there and poke my head in and go what are you doing over there but he has been very good he he really be he's being very very smart about it so he's got a good support system his girlfriend is awesome and she's got a medical background so she keeps yeah. helps to keep him in check too so it's a good combo nice it's it's funny because like i usually have to like check myself a little bit because I do want to be really over the top. Like, what are you doing with, right. with some people? But yeah. I, I like at first I'd be like, okay, now there's the way that you, we know it should be done. How would you do it? Would you be back this soon? Or would right. you wait the whole time? Like the doctor said. And so it's kind of like, all right, well, maybe he gets a little grace, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's hard to jump on somebody when they're so passionate and they're so yeah, because yeah. you can relate to it. You're like, God, yeah. what would I? Do? I know, yeah. and that's that's a thing. It's like it's it's hard to be mad at Martin for like two seconds because he's just so excited to be back in the gym, and yeah. you know, you, someone like loves bodybuilding that much. And you know, it's funny because that uh, we've talked about this before too. Brady, Brady King, he's the same way. It just he, he's too happy for me to get really mad. Yeah. You know, it's like loves it too much. Are you? Like, and I think there's an. Oh, okay. go ahead. No, I'll go just say there's an argument there that because these guys recover or because they're bigger yeah. and they grow more, that they recover from workouts so much quicker that they're going to recover from injuries quicker too sure. than sure. us mere mortals. <laughs> right. So there's, like, there's that component too. Yeah. And obviously it's like you're recovering faster than a normal person. Right. So if you're, you know, especially if there's growth hormone or whatever, it's, it's not like, your if your dad got hurt you know yeah it, right it's like they they have like doctors have this in mind like you need eight weeks it's like you probably need eight weeks can we do it in four maybe i don't know right yeah. it's probably yeah. not the smartest thing but is it possible yep. yeah. yeah all right listen let's wrap this thing up guys uh for another episode of blood sweat and gear i'm here with skip hill check out teamskip.com check out nelson over on the gram i'll have everybody's uh instagrams in the show notes uh, check out our sponsor, True Nutrition. Did I already say that? I was going to. I don't know. I'm getting tired. It's time for me to go. <laughs> I'll see you guys.